This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And we are back for another episode. Both of us, um, I I say that like we weren't going to be back, but both of us are just like (laughs) (laughs) currently in the thick of very busy seasons of life. I feel like it's always very busy, but there's just a lot going on. I know I was just talking with Sasha before we started recording and life is very busy for her. And you're, you're still trying to have things that you do for yourself. It's just, (laughs) it's hard to kind of balance it all. It's, I actually had, that's funny. It's been like a recurring theme over a couple of different recordings, but I brought up last week with my therapist, I feel off balance because there are so many things moving and like, I'm trying to do things here and I need to get work done. And it's, she's like, I would suggest taking a few days off um, Mm. when things settle down because you can. And I was like, that's really hard for me to do, but I know I need to, because when I don't do that and I don't take the time to take a step back is when I make tiny little mistakes that don't need to be made just because my brain like reaches capacity and it's like, dude, like slow down. So I am forcing myself to slow down next week. (laughs) Yeah. I have found for myself kind of in a similar way that I I'm not doing things for myself. And I, I've talked a little bit about this on my personal social medias recently, but I think I've kind of hit a point in my life where I'm like, I have spent, you know, over a decade of my career focused on others. And that's not to say I haven't focused on myself at any point in there, but I often guilt trip myself for doing things for me, because if I'm doing something for me, that's something I, that's time I could be spending dedicated to, my job or dedicated to something else. And I have kind of put a kibosh on that as much as possible where I'm trying to like create TikToks for myself or blog more or just do things that I enjoy for me, where even if other people are cringing because they're like, oh, what is she doing? Like, why is she acting this way? I don't care because this is stuff that it's fun for me. It's enjoyable. Yep. But I hit a wall yesterday where I wanted to have a blog written and I had like five different drafts of different things on my mind and never completed one of them because I was just so overwhelmed by (laughs) literally everything. (laughs) And I haven't been consistently working out in almost two months. And so yesterday I kicked that off and it's been a good two days so far, but it's just really hard where you feel like you've lost pieces of yourself either in a short period of time or over a long period of time. And when you're starting to kind of try to build those things back up, it can be really daunting because it's hard to then want to take the time for yourself because you're so used to what makes you feel accomplished Mm -hmm. is your work is this tangible thing you can point to where you're like, well, this is the thing that pays my bills, but it's like, but sometimes the thing that pays your bills doesn't always fulfill every ounce of your being. Sometimes it doesn't fulfill any ounce of your being. And so you have to be able to take a break. You have to be able to take a step back. And I am, I am very guilty of not being good at that. Very guilty of it. Well, and I, one other thing before we dive into our really important topic that we're going to talk about today, I was kind of in the same boat, like working out. I injured myself on Christmas day. I separated a rib because I tripped over dog toy in the dark and landed really hard (laughs) on my side. Um, and so then, you know, that was an extra layer of complication when it comes to working out. I couldn't do, um, well, no one likes burpees, but I couldn't do those. I couldn't do a push up. I couldn't, you know, there were deadlifting was questionable type of stuff. And so I really dialed it back and then it's really easy to fall back into bad habits and inconsistency. 
Yes. And so I've just been, you know, I'm not trying to be too hard on myself realizing like, take it slow. It's an injury. You don't want to re-aggravate it. But then also it gets, I get frustrated with myself because of the work, you know, I want to do well at work. My job is a, a source of pride for me, but when it takes away sometimes from, and I mentioned this just before we started recording, sometimes you immerse yourself so much in that work that it takes away little by little from the other things in your life or other mm-hmm. projects that you're working on. And so that's just, I think that's why it partially too, why I felt off balance, because it's, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of both that fills your cup, because if you run yourself down to empty and you have no more water in your pitcher, that doesn't do anybody any good, especially yourself. So that's my Ted talk for (laughs) this episode of mind your own. (laughs) Well, it's kind of fitting because we were talking about just working out or the things and actually what prompted a little bit of my thought for today's episode is, and I'm really grateful for this because there's a, there's been a lot of things kind of like just mulling around in my head. I know the last couple of weeks we focused um, really heavily on the, like the cheer and dance worlds Mm -hmm. and Um, I will be honest with you. I am still really fired up after everything with the LSU Tiger Girls. And I just want to throw one little caveat onto this. When we were talking about that last week and I said that I didn't feel like a lot of national news media had picked it up, I still feel that way. So we're one week removed from that. And I have seen more pick it up, but it's really been more of a watch this amazing routine and less of please understand what this routine meant and why they did it and why it's going viral. Um, the reason that this is so important is the LSU Tiger Girls compete or competed. They performed that competition routine at a recent basketball game. And I'm telling you, the crowd was like excited, but like not to the level that they should have been. If I feel like that crowd fully understood what they were watching. And that is why we have to keep having these conversations because it's like that crowd should have been absolutely like lit up yeah Yeah, but they're just they just weren't in that place and it's like okay well we're not there yet because we're we're, people i guarantee you in that arena did not understand what they were right yep so this has all been mulling in my head so i've been sitting here thinking like what should we talk about this week and i got on my peloton treadmill this morning and i had been debating because today the day we are recording is lunar new year And in 2021, I took this 30 minute Lunar New Year ride with an instructor named Emma Lovewell. Absolutely loved this ride. And I do have a Peloton bike as well. So I was debating, do I just get on the bike and retake that class today because I'd really like to, or is there a new class? Mm -hmm. I just happened to see that one of the newer instructors at Peloton, her name is Susie Chan. She's based out of their London office. She was hosting a 20 minute Lunar New Year run. I was like, I am not in shape at all to run, but you know what? We are going to hop on this and we're just going to see where it goes. And I'm going to tell you, I was, I'm so glad I did it. I so, so, so enjoyed that run. It was similar to the ride that I took last year with Emma Lovewell. It was so fun and in just it filled me to listen to Susie talk about her family, talk about her family's traditions, talk to hear her talk about her plan for today. Mm-hmm. And it inspired me where I, I messaged Sasha and I was like, we should talk about Lunar New Year, but also in the context of the fact that the Olympics are about to start in just mm-hmm. a few days and they are being hosted in China. So let's just kind of dive into this and see where it goes. <laughs> um but I think when we th- when we start to get excited about the Olympics, just like every I know it feels strange because we just had the, the summer Olympics. Typically, yeah. there's two years, but COVID has thrown a wrench into everything. And I, I, I think oftentimes people and I am guilty of this as well. We just get excited about the athletes, the, the sports and everything that goes into it. But sometimes we fail to get excited about the host countries as well and to really dive into what we're experiencing. I know oftentimes these host countries, not oftentimes, it is what they do through the opening and closing ceremonies. They want to show you what you need to know about their country. I mean, they, they highlight uh, artists that are big in their country. Yeah. They, they show, I, I know like this past summer, you're seeing the agricultural side of um, Tokyo and Japan 
it, it's, it, that was this last summer with, again, my brain with like COVID cause it should be like two years, but so the 2020 summer games that took place in late July to August, 2021 were held in Tokyo. And again, like through their opening ceremony, they were able to highlight all of these pieces about Japan and about just their culture. But I think, you know, if we only reserve it to that little piece, that's all you're seeing, that's all you're understanding, you're really not walking away with probably a real true understanding. There's no way, there's no way you're gathering everything from just that. Right. So let's begin with the fact that when we are recording this, it is Lunar New Year. When you are listening to this, it is probably the the New Year celebration is still ongoing. It's in fact ongoing for nearly two weeks. So we will link all of this in the show notes at hailvarsity.com if you want to go and read for yourself. But we're going to just dive into Lunar New Year first and foremost. This is coming from history.com. Lunar New Year is one of the most important celebrations of the year. I'm reading directly from history.com because I think it's important not to contextualize uh, exactly what I'm reading. Um, It's an important celebration. It's the most important celebration of the year among East and Southeast Asian cultures, which includes Chinese, Vietnamese, and Korean communities, among others. Uh, The New Year celebration is usually celebrated for multiple days, not just one day. And so in 2022, it just so happens to fall on February 1st. It is also known, so you may have heard it as the Chinese New Year. Uh, You may have even heard it be called the Spring Festival. There's a number of names for it. It is all tied. It's the Lunar New Year. It's tied to the lunar calendar. Mm -hmm. So that means each year there is a new animal and not new in the sense of like, it's not a different one every single year. It's one of 12 that rotate every 12 years. So we are in the year of the tiger. We just left the year of the ox. Uh, if you have never gone and looked up the year you were born and what your animal was, I was born in the year of the rabbit. It's very interesting because when I look up what rabbits symbolize, a lot of it feels very, I'm like, yes, that does sound like me. So it's kind of, it's fun to see what another culture says about potentially your personality and who you are. And it, it's, it's just, I've always enjoyed looking into the different animals. Now, here's the other part is 2022 is just not the year of the tiger. It is specifically the year of the water tiger. This comes every 60 years. There's different elements that are associated with them. The water tiger, again, I'm reading from history.com is action oriented and represents strength, clearing away evil and bravery. So we'll dive into more about the animal in just a minute, Mm -hmm. but Lunar New Year has a lot of food and traditions. So every culture celebrates just a little bit differently, but there's always various foods and traditions that symbolize prosperity, abundance, togetherness with your family. Um, There's preparation for the Lunar New Year. Um, Homes are cleaned, thoroughly cleaned as they want to start anew for a new year. Um, There are rituals that um, homes may hold to offer food, uh, different items, gifts for ancestors, which reminds me a lot of the Day of the Dead, which is kind of neat when you start to think of like similarities between cultures when Mm -hmm. um, you think of the Day of the Dead as uh, the celebration, not when you think of it, that is, I, I have learned to, I have loved to learn about the Day of the Dead and the culture for Mexican people, because they're, it is a celebration of their loved ones. They are, it's, it's just such a, the fact that they hold these big feasts and they, they make their, their deceased loved ones, favorite foods and meals and bring them the things that they love. I don't know. It just kind of gives me chills. I love it. Um, in Chinese culture, they offer red envelopes that have money in them, typically to children. They uh, hang red lanterns in their homes. You'll see a lot of red and gold. Those are the two mm-hmm. colors that really symbolize uh, prosperity, again, abundance. They make a lot of food and those foods have symbols for them. So if you want to look them up, things like dumplings um, means prosperity, I believe. I was just looking them up earlier again. Noodles, I know, mean uh, like longevity because mm-hmm. of the length, which is super That's fun. Cool. Um, I know fish is uh, wealth. 
it's supposed to mean uh, it's supposed to be a sign of wealth. And there's also very specific ways that the fish are supposed to be eaten for lung for luck, excuse me. Um, so yes, dumplings are prosperity wealth as well. So a lot of them, as you see, there's a theme of prosperity, wealth, um, abundance heading into a new year. So here's what I, I don't want to spend a lot of time just reading everything to you, but while it's, you know, you may know it as the Chinese New Year. Um, it is not just something celebrated in China. And when we link this history.com article, I really recommend going and spending some time reading it because you can read about how Vietnam celebrates, how Korea celebrates, how other Asian cultures celebrate. And it's it's really neat. You'll be able to read about the greetings like in Mandarin and in other languages of how to say Happy New Year, um, Vietnamese, it's just, it's really neat. And I will say history.com. The reason I picked this particular source is you'll see their sources at the bottom of this mm -hmm. article. And they, they went and cited and found a lot of it, it's their sources are really, really strong. So that's why I picked that. But I also want to point out from a website called ChinaHighlights.com. They specifically talked about the year of the tiger, which runs from February 1st, 2022 to January 31st, 2023. Um, it is the water tiger. Uh, and so let me just give you a little bit about that. I, I had it. Okay. Water tiger comes from the tiger's five elements. There's gold, wood, water, fire, and earth. So we were talking about those elements. Uh, water tiger indicates a prosperous, prosperous year. Due to the tiger's auspicious strengths are signs of strength, exercising, e exorcising evils and braveness, get not like exercising them, actually <laughs> like ridding yourself of them. It'd be helpful if I could read. Um, and the thing that is like really important when you look at what Lunar New Year means is it's really this similarly, like think of how you celebrate New Year's December 31st into January 1st. There's a lot of belief of like what you do to start a new year leads you through a new year. You hear a lot about a lot of traditions, people who eat black eyed peas in the new year, because there's mm -hmm. a belief of what that means. It's the same thing. Um, people in Chinese cultures, but Asian cultures, not just China, what you do in the new year affects your luck for the full year. So they, there's some, there's some pieces of, um, some pieces of this culture that believe if you stay up on new year's Eve and say good words to your friends and family, that they will, that will bring you good luck with each of them going forward. Again, the red letters, decorating your homes, wearing a very lucky color, eating specifically lucky food, uh, which we went over a couple of them, but like, there's so many different ones. Uh, if you're wondering what the colors are for this year, tiger is orange, black, and blue. Um, so those are your, specific colors. Uh, I'm just seeing if there's anything else. We are going to link all of this because you should go read all of it. It's so fascinating. It really um, is. I like, like the decorating your house with kumquat trees symbolizing wealth and good luck. Like this is very fascinating. And see, it's, cool. and this is, it's really cool. And I was telling Sasha this before we started when I was sending, and I'm just going to say it like I did. We are two white women. Let us not let us not uh, pull any wool over anyone's eyes. We are two white women. And so we can only offer perspective from what we are able to learn by our own willingness to learn and research and spend mm -hmm. time with. Um, but it is important not to culturally appropriate something. So I we are going to tie this to the Olympics in just a moment, but I think it's important when we've had a lot of conversations, especially over the last two years, like when in the aftermath of the, the murder of George Floyd and how many times did we hear a black person say to be an ally, I need you to go do the research. I need you to yeah. stop asking me to do all of the heavy lifting. I need you to do some of it. This is part of it is spending time actually researching and learning and absorbing other cultures and mm -hmm. being willing to open your eyes and your heart and your, your mind to how other people live and experience the world around them. Now it is always a good idea to step outside of this and don't just spend time here, but mm -hmm. 
but actually go speak to other people. So like for me, I know it wasn't a direct conversation, but taking that class with Susie Chan this morning was really great because I got to hear directly from her mm-hmm. what this holiday means. And I got to hear directly from her what you know her family's traditions were, how she s- spends a holiday like this. And she talked a lot about how like in her family, it is all about the food. So when her husband yeah. came to a Chan family Lunar New Year for the first time, he was like, what is happening? Because there was so much food. And she was like, that's just how we do it. It is all the food you can imagine. And that is what I'm saying is listening to people and also allowing yourself to be open to hearing people talk about those, those experiences in their lives. So I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say I'm an expert in any way because I'm absolutely not. I I really highly recommend spending time listening to people, going and speaking with people or going and, you know, spending time reading some of these things because it is so cool to hear how other cultures, how they view the world. Yeah. So with all of that said, um, Again, culturally appropriating, you have to be careful here because you can appreciate, you can appreciate and even help celebrate something like the Lunar New Year, but you need to be mindful of what you're doing. I did see an article of somebody who offered perspective as, um, so I was just grabbing this. So as an Asian woman, as an Asian American, she shared her perspective on a holiday like Lunar New Year and for her white friends and why she like growing up was like, you know, I don't want you celebrating these things. But she talked about, you know, there there are things that you can do, like learning and appreciating that are a positive. Mm-hmm. But where she says you have to be mindful is she there's traditional activities that mean great deals to families of Asian cultures like the hand hanging of the red lanterns or handing out the red letters or wearing specific cult, like wearing culturally specific clothing where it might feel like harmless fun, but it's actually, there's so much more to it that if you are not aware of the reasoning for things or why something is done Mm -hmm. or the true meaning and the ancestry that goes that's all wrapped into this, that becomes now cultural appropriation where you're no longer appreciating it. You're just participating for the sake of participating. Right. So she did offer up some things like remembering that this is a holiday about love and togetherness. And that is something that everyone can celebrate. And of course, cleaning your home, that is a big piece of the, the Lunar New Year is getting your homes ready for the new year. If that's something obviously eating good food, because there's so much that is tied to the food piece of it. Um, there's also like just celebrating your own heritage. I really appreciated her adding this one too. So I'm going to read this and we'll link this, but this is coming from the woman who wrote this article. It was in bustle about celebrating Lunar New Year. She said, if anything, Lunar New Year can teach us to be proud of our own personal backgrounds. Growing up, I barely learned about my mother country in school and seeing my family celebrating this holiday has inspired me to learn more about where I come from. Each country has its own unique history and cultural identity. And I hope that learning more about this ancient holiday and its meaning can make you proud of who you are today. And so I I love that where even as you're kind of celebrating your own New Year's and as you're stepping forward learning about your own history, your own mm-hmm. culture, the things that make you, the things that tie you to your past. Like there's, I, I, I really liked that one because I think sometimes it's easy to look at others without looking at yourself. And so yes. just a, just a little reminder as we go through this, that like you can absolutely appreciate and celebrate other cultures, but be careful not to appropriate and appropriation is not often intentional, but intent and impact are different. And so just check yourself when you're, I think understand. And I said this before we started recording too, like, you know, understanding another culture and co-opting are not the same. Mm -hmm. I think that it's another one of those fine line things where you can have, like you said, appreciation for other cultures, but outright taking the things that you like, from those cultures and celebrating them as your own, just because you like them, that's when it's appropriation. Um, yes. And it's, it's a fine line. Um, but 
I think that knowledge ultimately is power and, and just understanding, you know, I, I think that that was really great. Like what you said about understanding your own culture. I mm-hmm. mean, really looking into, into my background, I still haven't done it. Like in the 23 and me thing I need to, cause my mom was adopted and I want to understand the rest of, of the parts that make me. Um, yeah. but you know, even just looking at my dad's side of the family and, you know, my, my grandmother is, is native American, but looking into the history of, of, you know, that has been really, really interesting to me and understanding, you know, any sacrifices or struggles or traditions that, that they have, it has been really eye-opening for me and like has just brought in my understanding. I think that the point I'm trying to make here is that when you understand other cultures and take the time to have that knowledge base, it's a lot easier to understand when someone's telling you that they have been wronged and why they feel that they have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that that's important to, to point out too. So I, this, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but you, you made me think of this and just how you were speaking to this, that I, I just happened to stumble upon this. Um, I just happened to stumble upon this TikTok account re- recently and I, it, it works really well with this. So I, I went in with searching and I found it. So I am going to absolutely, I just want to be clear. I never took Spanish. I took German. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot roll my tongue. I have no, like I, I, so anything I say, anything I say in Spanish sounds awful. I just want to be very straightforward with that. Um, but this is a, uh, this is a, business based out of Mexico, a small family business. Um, they make crotches, which is a Mexican sandal. Mm-hmm. If I said that wrong, I'm so sorry. Uh, like I said, I, <laughs> nothing I say in Spanish sounds good. So anyway, they have been sharing their shoes and the shoemaking process. And it's, it's, be- they're beautiful. I just want to say they're beautiful. I really want a pair. I, I followed them. I saved the video because at some point I'd really like a pair of these, these sandals. And somebody said, is it okay for white people to buy these? I'm genuinely asking because I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but these are beautiful shoes. Mm -hmm. And so here's what they said. And I I loved it. This was such a great response. So they show more of them making their shoes. And they said, yes, we appreciate your question. And we actually get asked this quite a bit. Yes, it is okay for white people to wear our harashas, especially if you are buying from a small Mexican-owned business like ours. Um, they go on to, and I love they're showing the whole video. I can even I can even share this link so if you want to go follow them, you can. All they said is we only ask that you do your research and give credit where it's due. Our artisans put in a lot of work into making her our harashas and deserve to be recognized for it. So. Their whole and they went on fine finalized. We want everyone to get to enjoy wearing our lovely harashas. So we are grateful for the support no matter where it comes from. So they're beautiful. They're stunning shoes. Like I just absolutely beautiful. Um, but it reminded me of this where let's say you thought, I'd like to celebrate Lunar New Year. I like dumplings. I'd love to get some dumplings. So I love Trader Joe's as much as the next person and Trader Joe's mm-hmm. has some great dumplings, but on a day like today, if you are truly wanting to celebrate, I would recommend finding somebody local within your city who makes authentic dumplings yes. and supporting them. Not because Trader Joe's dumplings aren't great, but because on a, on a day like today or a day like always supporting small businesses that are founded and run by people who this is their culture support them support them because they are not only going to be able so I remember last year on Lunar New Year's I had placed an order for some frozen momos it's a it's a type of dumpling from Um, Kathmandu Momo station. That's who I was thinking of, to be honest. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So I, when I went to go pick up the order, um, and this was still in the height of like, no, you don't go in anywhere. You're still getting things coming out. The woman who brought me my order, I, I just said to her, um, I, I, I basically said, I want to wish you a happy new year. 
And she looked at me and she was like, well, thank you. And the, the greatest thing about that was in that moment is she started sharing with me how she was planning to celebrate Lunar oh, New Year that day. That's like making me teary because like that's those are the authentic conversations and like moments that we're talking about. You know, I'm sure yes. that that meant a, the world to you. It meant so much because I got to hear from somebody who had just spent this time making the item that I was going to take home to enjoy. But I got to hear from her firsthand how she planned on celebrating the day f- and there's there that was so much more special than anything else I could have done. So when we talk about spending time and listening to people and allowing your allowing your mind to be opened in a moment or in your heart to be opened, like this is why. And so like that, you, you just reminded me of that that TikTok of support. So, okay, it, it's kind of <laughs> I'm in so many tangents right now, but I know like when Kendall Jenner started her tequila company, there were a lot of small Mexican uh, tequila distilleries that were like, hold up a second. Yeah. Support us. We have been doing this forever. Support us. And so it's not that Kendall Jenner can't like tequila and can't do whatever. But like, when you think about like, who can I authentically support going and doing your research and finding people, whether it's local or if you can order and have it shipped to you, supporting supporting artisans and supporting makers and business owners who are that this is their this is their culture their mm-hmm. tradition this is authentic to them it again trader joe's dumplings are great but on a day like today spend the time finding the person in your town who makes traditional dumplings noodles you name it because yeah which this fits really well to tie it to the Olympics. (laughs) So uh, the Olympics, it's so amazing that like the, the summer games, which only happened about six months ago, it feels like we're in a very different state once again, when it comes to COVID-19 and just what we're facing with the Omicron variant and everything else. Um, So because of that, the, the, the Olympic organizers in Beijing are having to be very, very careful. This is basically a bubble. When you go into it, um, there is, you are not leaving. So if you are working or volunteering, you are, you are there. They are not, you're not like here and there. You're not going home and coming back to make this Olympics happen. People are basically there for two and a half weeks. So because of this, that means a number of people are spending time without their families through the, the New Year tr- celebrations, which means these these individuals, whether they're working or volunteering, are spending their Lunar New Year celebrations with foreign athletes, media, and other Olympic personnel. So I'm reading from NPR right now. We will also link this NPR. This... <laughs> In the system that the Olympics have set up, people at the games are completely restricted from stepping foot outside of the designated Olympic spaces. The streets of Beijing, which is out of reach for athletes and other games personnel, were decorated and everything traditionally, but they cannot go. They cannot leave. Like, they're they're there. So what has happened is um, you're starting to see the, the people that are working and volunteering who cannot be with their family, spending time in teaching their traditions to the athletes in the Olympic village. And Yang Ying, the chairwoman of the Athletes Commission of the Beijing 2022 Organizing Committee, said this about it. It's the only time in history where the Chinese New Year and the Olympics are happening at the same time. So because of that, they have obviously decorated the Olympic village with symbols of the holiday, the bright red, uh, lanterns. Um, they're trying to kind of bring the lunar new year to the Olympic village as much as they can, but you are seeing them sharing their culture with people from all over the world, which means meals are being offered to the athletes that include dumplings, a traditional meal for the new years. Um, Yang Ying was the one who said food is the most important thing. This lunar new year lasts until February 15th. 15th and they will also be serving sweet rice dumplings and they will do they will be sharing as much as they can with them so that the the athletes and uh, people who have traveled from all the world get to celebrate this but 
the fact that the the Chinese hosts are celebrating and ringing the new year in with people from all over the world and sharing their traditions, they're sharing the things that make this holiday so special with people from everywhere. It's really, really cool. Like this is, I I saw this story on NPR and like my heart swelled. (laughs) Yeah. It's super cool. Like reading through that article was like, that's like perfect. I mean, especially when they like the athletes and anybody associated really with the Olympics, whether it be volunteering or, or, you know, facilitating in any way when they, when they are in this bubble, like having something one, it's, it's kind of a learning experience because I'm sure that opens up conversations like to, you know, maybe even just, could you tell me like how, let's say dumplings again are important to the holiday, like things like that. Um, I just think it, it like, it doesn't force a conversation, but it opens itself up to it. And then you get, uh, honestly, it's a one of a kind experience. Like you're, you're one, you're at the Olympics. So holy crap. But two, um, you know, just the, the learning opportunity and like actually being able to experience it firsthand from the folks that are, you know, in the culture and, and can, you know, further explain kind of, you know, the history of everything is, is super cool. Mm -hmm. It's like, I just think how fortunate you have to feel in that moment where you're like, I get to be here. Um, and I get to, I get to, yes. Like for the people who are working and volunteering, is this how they maybe planned on spending their new year? No, they'd probably much prefer to spend it with their families. But I hope the people that are getting this opportunity to learn from them and spend this time are truly appreciative because this is a, in my opinion, a once in a lifetime opportunity to learn directly from people what something means. And like, I mean, the NPR article, you can see a photo of the uh, tiger figures. They're these little like boxed figures Mm -hmm. that they were handing out to guests. And I, I just like, these are things that I would never want to give away. Cause like you're seeing, and there's another photo in here where you're seeing volunteers offering passerbys in the Olympic village, the opportunity to paint calligraphy onto traditional new year couplets. Those they they're the flags. And when you're talking about them hanging the, the bright red lanterns and the couplets that they're showing them how to paint the calligraphy on these things. Like, I mean, this is something where I imagine 99% of everyone that is there is probably so thrilled for the opportunity to learn and grow from people. But I really, truly hope um, it's one of those things where it's like, I hope they're recognizing in the moment how significant this is. And it like, like Yang Yang said, this is the first time in history that this, these two things have coincided with one another. They, it may not happen ever again. Like this may never happen in quite this way again. So just truly appreciating it for this moment is important because here's why it's so important to step outside of what you know, and to talk about these things, because you know, when people are watching the Olympics starting um, in just a few days and spend about two and a half weeks, just, I mean, the Olympics are fun. I, whether you're a summer or Olympic game fan, there's something that people like about everything. I love figure skating. It's, it's probably directly tied to the fact that like, I think if you like figure skating, you're in the winter Olympics, you're usually a gymnastics fan in the summer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so like, it makes sense that like my favorite in the winter is, but I also like snowboarding and everything. I think it can be really easy to get really caught up in just the game aspect of it. And just like the excitement of it. No, oh, this country has this many medals and this and all this, but especially right now, more than ever, when we look at the fact that the last two Olympics both the summer games and now the winter games have been hosted in Asian countries. This is why you need to be able to step outside of just your excitement for the games and be willing to learn about the culture and learn about the countries because, and I shared this with Sasha earlier, this report just was published. It was published literally 14 hours prior to recording this. Anti-Asian hate crimes increased by 339% in the United States from the year before. 
we know that we we have seen more and more anti-Asian hate crimes as a result of COVID-19. There's a belief that um, people uh, from like there, I just don't even know how to like, just to put it, I guess, just quite point blank is people are convinced that Asian Americans, anyone of Asian um, background has somehow been responsible for COVID-19. It is absolutely bonkers, which is why I'm struggling to even like get it out of my mouth because it's like how you can get there and think this zero sense. But the reality is, is like there are people who believe all kinds of conspiracy theories and Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. And like, unfortunately, hate fuels a lot of conspiracy and racism is alive and well. And racism is alive and well across all facets of especially American culture. And there are people who see these numbers and they kind of scoff them off as like, whatever it's, you know, it's just whatever. And we can't do that because I mean, this article from NBC news that reported on this, this, um, this study, Mm -hmm. um, or this report, excuse me, here's just a little, I'm just going to read this. The compilation of hate crime data published by the center for study of hate and extremism revealed that anti-Asian hate crime has increased by 339% last year compared to the year before with New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and other cities surpassing their record numbers in 2020. The significant surge is part of an overall 11% increase in suspected hate crimes reported, reported to police across a dozen of America's largest cities. The report also found that black Americans remain the most targeted group across most cities in New York. The Jewish community reported the most hate crimes last year with researchers in part linking increases to the three week Gaza war in May in Chicago. Gay men were the most targeted in terms of location. Los Angeles recorded the most hate crimes of any United States city this century in 2020 alone with New York coming in just behind it. So the thing that like, and I, I don't, I, since we're specifically focusing on i don't want to get in like i don't want to like i don't want to get into different um pieces of this but like we can at another point but like the thing that i'm so frustrated by this because like i saw a tiktok of two men who worked for waste management in i think new jersey it was somewhere new jersey new york who specifically put their plow down and threw snow at two Jewish individuals that they they wanted to target. And it's just like the fact that like somebody is hateful enough to do something like that and feel justified in it mm-hmm. is mind blowing to me. But like when you think of what is happening specifically to the Asian American community, this is this is something we need to seriously look at and understand what's happening because the fact that this has increased at such a significant um, rate over the last two years is horrifying. When you think of like, you you see the news stories and it's like, I'm I'm shocked, but not surprised anymore that people are acting this way. And so (laughs) I just, I guess my point, and I'm really fumbling over this, but I think my point when I I think about the fact that our country is about to spend two, two and a half weeks watching Olympic games in a country that um, deserves our understanding of their culture. Now, I I do want to just, sorry, a lot of tangents, but I do just want to point out, yes, the Chinese government is a whole different thing. Not great. Um, we, we need to separate the culture and what I'm talking about, what we are talking about from the government piece of that. That is like, that doesn't, none of it, that doesn't matter. I'm just pointing out if somebody were to be like, but the Chinese government, which is not super related. So like, why are you asking that? Um, But I get it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's, it's also nuanced. And I hope that like, I hope that 
I hope that people understand through the nuance. And sometimes when we have these conversations, if you hear the kind of like fumbling, it's not because I didn't show up or Sasha didn't show up or whatever prepared. It's just because I think I'm at such a loss for like how things can be the way that they are. And here's the problem and why I stumble. That is my privilege. The fact that like, I get so flabbergasted at like, how is this real? Like, how is this a thing? Like that is my privilege talking. The fact that like, I can be so floored by how things are like this. And so when I hear myself doing this, where I'm like, I think I'm sort of like trying to almost like explain things to myself. And the reality is there's a lot of hate in this world and there's racism is still a thing. And it shows up when people start to connect a virus to a person they see walking down the street that they know nothing about. Yeah. And I might in my privileged brain go like, how can people do that? But this is the reality of where we are. It, this, it just is. I think that a lot of, you know, the reason that the, the conversations that we have are important, I think to us, but also, you know, we hear from other folks, um, putting a perspective on it or, um, filling in informational gaps. Um, and you know, taking it. So when you said that's my privilege, I got goosebumps because I was like, shit, she's right. Like, and I haven't ever been able to name what that feeling is, but that's what it is. Um, you know, as, as two white females in the Midwest, um, you know, we have without something, sometimes I think realizing it, um, quite a bit of privilege, um, and having these conversations and pointing these things out to hopefully bring attention to other folks that have privilege and be so that it's, it maybe opens up a conversation or makes a light bulb go off, I think is super important because it does not, you're right, make any sense to me how you connect those dots and make that the thing that makes sense in your brain. But realizing too, the fact that there are folks out there, obviously that are connecting those dots So having conversations with people and, you know, bringing to light things that maybe aren't verbally spoken out loud, like we can have a thought where it's like, why the hell is that happening? How the hell did you get there? But without verbalizing and having those conversations Mm -hmm. in a way it's being complicit to the situation. So I think, you know, when we have these conversations, it's super important, um, to us that we keep having them both for our personal growth, but hopefully maybe a light bulb goes off in someone else's head, or hopefully maybe because we're talking about it, it furthers a conversation for somebody else. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm glad to have found this really quick. I'm yeah. going to share this. Um, but there's a website called the conversation. It's a nonprofit independent news organization. It's dedicated. This is how they say it. They're dedicated to unlocking the knowledge of experts for public good. So if you're wondering what this website is, that is what it is. But a a woman named Gina Wong spoke about or wrote about the year of the tiger and how this is an opportunity for bold changes. Tiger is bold and combating anti-Asian racism. And this is what she said just in a really quick review, which we will again link. Uh, She said, as an Asian woman, I thought more about my Asian ancestry, identity, and childhood experiences of racism this past year than I ever have before. And she talked about people telling her you're too Asian, which also made me think a little bit about, um, you hear that a lot when there's a lot of like, there's a lot of coded words and things that people say that like, especially for like, say a, um, a black person, people will often use white people will often say he or she are so well-spoken. They're so articulate, which mm-hmm. is implying whether you mean this to or not, but this is what I'm talking about with like, there's just like systemic things built into how we speak. You may mean that as a compliment. Your intention may be like, you just, you, you, you are just, you, you're so nice to listen to, but what you're ultimately saying is it's surprising because other black people are not, or I assumed black people did not speak in the way that you do. And 
that's why I'm always really careful about saying somebody is well-spoken because mm-hmm. it's probably not what you mean. Right. What you probably mean is you're enjoyable to listen to. Your points are really interesting. What you just said is really fascinating. I liked how you explained it. But instead, the coded words that we use because it's, in, it's systemic is yep. you're well-spoken. So being careful of like not saying those things of like you're too Asian or, or, oh, you don't see me like. Yes. Like the fact that that stuff comes out of people's mouths. It's 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 the it really does end up, I think, sometimes not broader picture, but like on the more fine tuned conversations, it does really come down to the little things, you know, um, being more aware, even if it's just the, uh, you know, the thought in your head or putting that process in place of like, be cognizant of what certain things mean when you say them out loud, because again, it comes down to intent and impact. So the impact of saying for your example, you're so well-spoken, the intent may not be there to say what you Mm -hmm. just said, but you did say it Mm -hmm. and it's still heard that way or could, can be received that way. So changing kind of the dialect sometimes is, is even just an important step forward in progress. Otherwise we stay stuck, right? Like if you don't cognizantly think about or recognize the fact that those are some systemic things that are, whether we know it or not subconsciously or whatever are part of the dialect and, and can be a part of these conversations, but even just being and recognizing something that may seem minute and small is a step forward. It is progress by being cognizant of, of the way that you're saying things. Yes. And, and if you say something and you're either corrected or you hear yourself and you correct yourself, I think there's, there's unfortunately some um, kind of like, Oh, I hate the, I hate how I'm about to say this, but it's the only way I can think of it. There's almost this like culture war going on right now where people feel like if I'm corrected for the way that I speak or I do this, like I'm being canceled or I'm being told. And it's like, instead of getting defensive, just take a step back. And, um, a lot of things are not being canceled. If you learn from them, we've talked about that on this podcast. I have said things that I've told Sasha, leave it in because it's a good, um, it's a good point for me to look back on and be like, why did that come out of my mouth? Um, I actively work on a lot of things constantly. Um, there are many things that we all say very, very, uh, comfortably. Like I think of the fact that like, and I've brought this up in an episode before, um, one that is still very firmly in my vocabulary and I am still working on, I'm still working on it is low man on the totem pole. That has been said around me my whole life. And I have had to come to terms with that. And it's, here's the thing. Um, yes, you say it and it breezes past most people and they don't think anything of it. But the reality is I've been corrected on it. And instead mm-hmm. of being a jackass about it and being like, I absolutely won't change how I do things. Yeah. Like, no, I can be better. There are other ways to say, um, I'm, I'm at the the bottom of the organizational chart. I'm at like, I'm, I'm working my way up from where I'm at right now. There are so many other ways. Like I I can, I can utilize, I can utilize some critical thinking here to come up with other ways to say things that, but it's, it's systemic because it's been built into my vocabulary. And so like, I hear myself wanting to say things sometimes. And the reality is, is sometimes they're going to come out, but if somebody points it out to me, instead of getting defensive and going, don't come at me, like, I didn't mean that is, it's as simple as saying, I'm sorry, I, 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 I hear you, I will be better. Yeah. Um, that's really it. And it's not, and it's not too, I think that it's, it's really easy. Um, I brought this up. I, the universe is talking to me, yo. Um, <laughs> I brought this up in another conversation, you know, just because um, the automatic sometimes response to criticism 
And it's not always criticism. Criticism can be constructive. Criticism can be negative, but it's not always a fully negative thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes the automatic response to any kind of criticism, especially if someone's pointing out, you know, the way that you said, said something or, you know, a, a phrasing that you used, it's not a knock on you as the person. It's drawing attention to the fact that what you said may be incorrect or may be offensive to someone. Mm-hmm. So yes, like maybe it does feel like criticism and you get defensive because you're like, well, I didn't mean it like that. That's fine. You maybe didn't. And you maybe didn't realize that that what you just said could be offensive to somebody. But if someone is pointing it out to you, they are trying to help you and benefit you yes. and further a conversation or, you know, like maybe down the line, you have a conversation about it, but taking that beat sometimes, I think, okay, let the, let the defensiveness fall off. It's not a reflection of who you are as a person. It was something that you said. Mm-hmm. You, those things are correctable. You can change your way of thinking. You can change the way that you say something. Um, I think it's like human nature sometimes to automatically get defensive of any type of criticism at all, but it's not ultimately you as the whole of the person. It's a phrasing that you use that may be offensive to somebody else. And, you know, I think if we were to say like, as you know, what we want to take, what we'd like to take from this, what we would like to um, recognize, at least what I would like to is I think through the Olympics as you are enjoying. And if you're somebody who's like, I don't like the Olympics, it doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be on your TV, whether you want it to be for weeks. Um, taking a moment to, I like, like we said, go support a local business. I can think of multiple in um, Omaha, uh, some really great, like, again, yes, you might like Hy-Vee's Chinese food, but there's mm-hmm. nothing authentic about it. Right. Um, so go find, go find an authentic Chinese restaurant near you and support them. Um, try something from a local business that maybe you haven't tried before. Um, I, there are many, like I know here in Omaha, there's a really great Asian market that you can go and you can buy some really great authentic food. If you want to go sincerely support and try something. And I think if anything, and this isn't much a challenge for me is spending time. If you want to sincerely honor the lunar new year, but also honor Chinese culture. And I should say more broadly, Asian culture, Mm -hmm, knowing that it goes beyond just China. But when I was thinking of the Olympics saying, (laughs) um, actually spending some time researching, maybe go find a book that is of interest to read, go, um, listen to a podcast, um, read any of the links that we're going to link here. And just so you know, they go and spread more. Like for instance, the article that I was talking about on the conversation, again, written by uh, a woman named Gina Wong, she gives some action items where there are some different organizations worldwide that are making a difference in Asian communities. Like in, in the United States, there's the Asian Mental Health Collective. Um, you can go support, you can go become familiar with them. They have a directory. She linked a directory of Asian Canadian therapists. If you're somebody who's in Canada, um, she, she did the, the work. So the least we can do is, is read, learn, spend time with, appreciate, because we're all going to have, like I said, we're all going to have the Olympics on our TV. They're going to have the, the, um, they're going to put the opening ceremonies on all of our televisions and all of your streaming platforms. Take a moment to appreciate what you're going to see. I, I promise you, you're going to see a lot of tiger imagery. The Lunar New Year is going to get, get brought into the opening ceremonies. Go learn about it. Go learn mm-hmm. about like, maybe go learn what your animal was the year that you were born and learn about what they say that that brings out in your personality. Like these are the things that if you spend time with it, it's not, it's not cultural appropriation. It's cultural appreciation at that point. And you're taking, you're taking the opportunity to learn something that you maybe didn't know before. Exactly. So as we spend time appreciating athletes and the excitement of the Olympic games, and you hear about Lunar New Year, like just spend some time with it, appreciate like as much as you can. And like, I, like I said, I, I, I did this run this morning. I was awful. I have not run in like two months. So it was a terrible run for me personally. And I enjoyed it so much because I feel like I walked away having a different understanding of Susie Chan this 
instructor for Peloton because of what she was willing to share in that moment. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm just super grateful. So like when we, when we talk about these things, just go spend some time. That's really, that's really the most important yeah. thing. It now, is. before we wrap this up, we have received some emails from you and we really appreciate that. Keep sending them. Um, mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. Sasha and I are just kind of figuring out the year ahead, especially as it comes to asking guests to be a part. We have some guest ideas and hopeful um, guests lined up here soon. So just go to go send an email to mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com with some ideas, suggestions, whatever else. Um, I told Sasha, I, I've been sending emails to her as well, but I'm going to be better about responding. <sighs> work working on this mental health piece, which will somehow like always like I emails are a stressful thing to me, but you know what? You're also nice. So we will be responding. Don't worry, but keep okay. sending emails. Mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. You can message us on Twitter at Aaron Sorensen at uh, Sasha 72. And we will be back next week. Uh, the Olympics will be in full swing. So who knows what storylines we will have at that point. But we look forward to just continuing conversations that impact sports like this in different and unique ways. And we appreciate you listening. We hope you'll join us next week. We will talk to you then. Bye. A Huda Media Production.